Well, let's uh, get our Bibles and go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel, the prophet, the Hebrew prophet, and the famous story of the vision he had of the Valley of Dry Bones. And I want to get right underway, and I want to point to uh, explain the vision. So we're going to go into verse 11 first, and then we're going to go to verse 1. But the vision is explained, and it says, Then he said to, to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Verse 11 is expanded upon in the preceding and the following context. But I wanted to start right there to give you guys a heads up as to why God uh, led this prophet to do this powerful demonstration. Now, I want to remind you that this is literal Jewish history, that it's this miraculous supernatural activity actually did happen. This is not a parable. This is not allegorical. This is not, uh, you know, something to try to draw a parallel from, although we will draw parallels from this specific point in history. But the, the point in history is very similar as it was then, so it is now, that uh, these three components, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, we are completely cut off. Cut off is isolation. Bones drying up, I'm going to expand on that mainly because it's a valley of dry bones. And uh, this whole idea of our hope has perished. Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. You remember that famous uh, example where to get a donkey to get moving, they would, they would dangle a carrot in front of the donkey, uh, but it was just out of reach from its grasp, and it was a torment. Our God doesn't do that. He doesn't hang a carrot in front of us to get us motivated artificially. God provides for us. He follows through on it. He's not sadistic in that way. He's not manipulative ever. He is faithful. And so we've come into this house aware of the world we live in. It's, about, it's a valley of dry bones. Amen. It, it, it's a valley of dry bones. People's bones have dried up. People's hopes have perished. And people feel completely cut off. I've never in my personal life experience seen anything quite like what we've been through over the last year. Uh, but I'm undaunted uh, not because I'm in denial of it, because I'm living it out with everybody else, but I have been informed of how faithful God is in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trial. And in fact, haven't we all been an on-the-job training all along anyway? We are, we are people who have had to fight the good fight of faith through high times and through hard times. How many of you have been through a thing or two? Well, and all these things were more than conquerors. So now, with this, I want to read this amazing chapter, but I want to just have a word of prayer. So let's, let's just bow our heads just for a moment. Living God, I thank you that you provided for the Jewish people in this particular point in history during Ezekiel's lifetime. God, I want to thank you that your joy is our strength. And I pray that for these believers here that are hopeful and their bones are hydrated and they don't feel detached because they know they're accepted in the beloved, nevertheless, they would be fortified and strengthened regarding all this and so that we can build bridges, tear down walls, and reach out and help other people. I pray this would be an equipping message and bring revelation to us by your grace and by the particular power of your precious Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So here is the context, verse 11. If you want to know the breakdown, this is what emanates out of this. So we'll just start right now with verse 1, chapter 37, New American Standard, updated edition. The hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel said, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. I've had two occasions with this. It's very actually intense that I would even be able to say this. I walked the killing fields in Cambodia and I saw bones, human bones in the ground and articles of people's clothing in the ground. Also, I visited in Haiti after the terrible earthquake a few years ago, a mass grave of over 64,000 people. 
and I saw bones on the top of the ground. And in Kosovo, though I didn't see bones on the top of the ground, they found mass graves in Jakova, where God ultimately led this church family. And it was the most blighted place of the entire region of all of Kosovo. The Lord wants us to be aware of and sensitive to these awful situations, to not uh, shirk, not back off, not shrink back, but to be vitalized and revitalized and be prioritized and get energized so we can get our eyes on Jesus and we can go out and understand the condition of the world around us, be in it but not of it, and live a worthy life where we are uh, ennobled and emboldened to really see it the way it is and then do something about it. Apathy, I heard somebody say, hate is not the opposite of love, apathy is the opposite of love. I think hate is the opposite of love and I think apathy is the opposite of love because apathy is a very wicked form of hate. So I don't care, whatever, I don't care. It's very dismissive. But I'm, I'm glad Jesus didn't have apathy. I'm glad Jesus was moved with compassion when he heard about Lazarus, the biggest verse in the New Testament with only two words, Jesus wept. We have a compassionate, faithful high priest. And Ezekiel, the forerunner uh, before that was looking for and longing for this Messiah, was being responsible to go out and look in this valley of bones, of dry bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And I love that because God was putting it on him to reach a personal conclusion, and Ezekiel was deflecting and ping-ponging it back at the questioner. And uh, you know, Lord, and, but God was trying to cause Ezekiel to stretch. And he said, again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, put breath in you, that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. Stop. Ezekiel was a student of the Bible. He was a Jewish prophet and therefore would have had a grasp on Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers and Deuteronomy. He would have therefore understood the story of Adam being created out of the dust of the earth and Eve being made out of his rib. He would have bought into that. It was way before the theory of uh, evolution with Ch uh, Charles Darwin and the higher criticism of the turn of the last century. This was when people had a, a stubborn awareness of the faithfulness of God. No, not, not dogmatic bigotry. They just had a conclusion from the biblical reality that had been passed to them by, by, by uh, auditory communication, by, by word of mouth through the generations, and then ultimately dedicated to text uh, God moved on people by the Holy Spirit. Moses wrote those first five books. These guys lived for a long time. Their stories overlapped. It wasn't the telephone game. It was something different than that. The Holy Spirit was faithful to guard and garrison around the truth and protect it and preserve it and present it to us and bring it into this point. I bet my life on this book because I know the author of it is consistent and he has brought this revelation to us so that we could know him. This story about these dry bones, this is plausible because look, out of the dust of the earth, God made Adam. Out of the rib, he made Eve. So he could do it again. He could do it again. And so he says, prophesy. So I prophesied, says Ezekiel, as I was commanded. Did you know, in a very real sense, the Lord is commanding us to speak to our mountains to, to speak to the circumstances and the trials of the day. This is a, a, one of the forms of prayer. Elijah got up and told Ahab, hey, listen, my name is Elijah, and it is not going to rain for three and a half years. And he walked away. That was considered prayer. There's, a, there's the prayer of praise and worship. These worship leaders that worked hard 
practiced uh, last night and came here early and practiced again. Got in the prayer room and prayed hard. I overheard them pray. They came out here and they led us in praise and worship. God inhabits the praises of his people. That's the highest form of prayer, praise and worship. And, and, and even before our petitions, it's just better to enter in with thanksgiving and enter in with appreciation, right? Instead of starting with all these demands and requests, that's the consumer-driven model. But God's actually called us to come forth with thanks and with, give, with thanksgiving and with affirmation, acknowledging him, and, and all our ways acknowledging him, and he'll direct our path. So this is overwhelming, to look at a valley of dry bones. You know, we're in Chesterfield Valley here, and coming St. Louis Family Church is based in what they call Chesterfield Valley. This is a valley. I drove through a lot of floodplains today, the, the river road over by Alton, Godfrey, Illinois. I drove that river today. I, I drove through the, the bottoms over there by uh, Creevecore Mill Road, and and, uh, you know, those river bottoms all, all throughout this confluence. And, and I just, I love where the Lord's planted me. I was born in San Francisco. I was raised in San Diego. I got saved between San, uh, L.A. and uh, San Bernardino. And then immediately God transplanted me here. I, although, I, you know, I feel like I'm a citizen of heaven. And I love the nations. And I've been privileged to be able to go to different places. Man, I want to bloom where I'm planted. And I'm thankful to be in Chesterfield Valley. Good things can come out of a valley. Good things came out of the valley of dry bones. Good things can come out of the valley in your life right now. What are the dry bone situations? The three things articulated in verse 11. Our bones are dry, our hope is gone, and we feel uh, deserted or isolated. Boy, that typifies and speaks to so much of the circumstances of people's lives right now. People feel abandoned. There's, there's, there's been a, an amazing pressure that's come on, a, on the collective of humanity right now. But here, God is having this prophet prophesy. And at first, he says, hey, can these dry bones live? Oh, hey, you know, Lord, he bounces it right back like so many of us do. And, but yet, God is wanting to, us to be co-laborers with him. God is wanting us to be cooperative with him. God's wanting us to stand on his promises, not just be idle, but mix what we hear with faith. And faith without corresponding action is dead. And none of us signed up to just go through dead religion. God wanted us to be uh, sincere. God wanted us to be authentic. God wanted us to be in participation. Listen, I remember when my father was talking about robotics and how in the early, in the 50s and the 60s, he would talk to me about how the, there was a shift in the development of, of uh, mass production. And he was talking about robotics. And he was speaking with concerns about how it was going to push a lot of the workforce out of jobs. And he was right. But what it did is it created a whole new industry that people had to be over the robotics to make sure the robotics would work right. And so there's always going to be opportunity, but things there will always also be change. And uh, so we have got to, this was a moment where these dry bones, it looked like it was hopeless, it was over, it was lost, and yet God was saying to him, can, these, can something that was over, dried up, barren, lost, can it, can it be revived? Well, you know, Lord. And then he said, I want you to prophesy to these bones. I feel that God wants a, a breed of people to prayerfully consider what these verses are saying and to understand and draw from the admonition and the directives that Ezekiel was obedient toward. He said he obeyed. He did what he was told. He prophesied as he was commanded, verse 7, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. I remember when I was a lost kid, the hippie surge, the idyllic love and peace of the 60s got uh, sullied by the, uh, the introduction of hard drugs and the disappointment that ensued. People died and perished from the, uh, that little brief little window of uh, 
of idealism and it, it, got, it got ugly and got nasty fast. But yet then there aroused a move of the Holy Spirit. Now they call it, historians call it the Jesus movement. And lost people came to know the Lord. Dead formal churches got revived. The, Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was introduced in environments that previously didn't, uh, they were dismissive of it or didn't understand it. And um, we're about ready to see another cycle. Things happen in cycles. There are seasons. To everything, there's a season and a, and a time for every purpose under heaven. He makes everything beautiful in its time. It also says he set eternity in their hearts. So uh, I want to say that when Ezekiel prophesied to the breath, prophesied to the dry bones, he prophesied as he was commanded, and breath came into them, and they came to life, stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now, this happened in history. Isn't it amazing? And it can also, it's happened uh, in a sort of, in different manifestations and in different forms. And uh, as time marches on, as knowledge increases, do you know in 1905 or so, the U.S. Patent Office said, hey, don't bother sending any more patents. Everything that could have been invented has been invented. You know, that wasn't very uh, insightful thinking. We have to understand that that valley of dry bones, look, I stood there in the killing fields, Pol Pot's killing fields, and I met a man who was a young boy during that period, and he explained to me what it was like. He's now a pastor in a primarily Buddhist environment. I spoke at the dedication of a, uh, an orphanage we built there. And he said, as I was preaching, he had to, I noticed I would say things in short and he'd have to say things elaborately and longer. Finally, I turned to him and I said, am I, are you having to change up what I'm saying because it's not resonating with the people? He goes, yeah, pastor, they, they don't understand that there's a personal God. The, the Buddhist mindset doesn't understand that there's a God. So, you, you know, you're making an assumption. I have to clarify what you're saying. Because they would, they would be really quiet. They would just, they look somewhat like you're looking tonight. <laughs> but yet I thought, I thought about it. How in spite of it, in spite of all the evil that happened there, terrible war that happened there in the, in the 60s and 70s, and then the, the terrible despotic abuse of a tyrant to kill so many, so many people, so many precious lives. And then to have this young man who endured that and then he's there providing leadership and hope in that context. It makes me have faith for Chesterfield Valley or for whatever valley you're in, whatever situation you're facing right now and the conflict of the people that you face every day that might be putting on a happy face. But in reality, like verse 11, they're saying our bones are, are dried up our, our hope has perished, and we're completely cut off. That's a pretty big dilemma. And yet, in the context of it, God wanted a forerunner to prophesy, to be bold, to step up as he was commanded, trusting that these dry bones can live. Apparently, there were Christians in the days of the, my youth that had a confidence that God could take hold of the counterculture movement and steer us toward Jesus and away from the ditch. And they prayed, and they believed God in their particular context. And so here we are today, in this moment, and we're trusting God in this situation. Daughter of, of God, son of God, child of God, can these dry bones live? You know, Lord. You know, Lord. Come on, whatever you want to do. He said, well, I do want to do some stuff, but I want to do some things through you. I want you to pray big prayers, dream, dream big dreams. I want you to understand that you're deployed as the forward presence of the kingdom of God. I want you to understand that you are spiritual shock absorbers in this harsh world. You are spiritual paramedics on the, on the, the crises points of life. I, you know, walking through the killing fields, I'll never forget it. You know, walking through that mass graveyard in Kosovo or the one in, in, in Haiti. I'll never forget it. Going through the flood of our own valley where we had a terrible flood here. I'll never forget that. You'll hear me talk about it the rest of my life. It's a reference point about how hard and brutal life can be in a fallen world, but also how good God can be in the midst of whatever difficult situation we face.
Hallelujah. There's a scripture, Isaiah the prophet said, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. So they talked about how their bones were dried up. Their bones were dried up and their hope had perished. They, they were cut off. They felt cut off. And uh, I, I want to talk to you about dry bones. Uh, Proverbs 17.22 is a key verse for tonight. And I want you to just tuck this in. This is a Proverbs from, it's a proverb from Solomon. And he makes this contrast about a joyful heart. He says, a joyful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I think when the knee bone was connected to the thigh bone and so forth in this moment of Ezekiel, that had to be a pretty exciting moment when they went from dead to being a great army. Can you imagine them looking at each other saying, what just happened? You know, I, I felt like when I became a child of God in the early 1970s, we looked at each other and said, what just happened? We got pulled out of a fractured, dysfunctional craziness that was embellished as it somehow it was better than ever, and it actually was just as dark as ever, and uh, we got saved. And there was so much joy in the city. There was so much joy. We take these things for granted, but I remember being invited to church and watching for the first time people that were true worshipers that actually didn't just know about God and weren't just embracing religious dogma, but had actually known and, and personally had an encounter with him, they were like a different breed. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a brand new creation. One translation said, a species that never before existed. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. And in fact, the valley of dry bones pales in comparison to the miracle of a new birth. Yet it's radical. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I saw a video depiction of this. I, I, I actually, a guy put it together and did uh, computer-generated graphics on it to show dry bones getting sinew on it and, you know, and, 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 and tendons and ligaments and then muscle and then skin and... These guys popped up out of the ground, and it was pretty cool. But um, nothing like our imagination, as you just think about this guy standing there and looking at at an impossible situation, darkness and dry bones. And they said, our bones dried up, our hope perished, and we were completely cut off. A joyful heart, however, is a good medicine. A merry heart, one translation in the King James says, a merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. One verse says, any sickness a man could bear, but a broken spirit, who can bear? All of us in this room honestly have to, t- have to admit we've been through those dry moments. Every one of us has been through temptations, tests, and trials because they, they, it's part of the human condition. We all deal with it. We've all dealt with it. And yet, like what Jesus said in John 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because as the scripture says, when you believe in me, out of your innermost being will flow, what? Rivers of living water. So dry bones can not only live, but dry bones can be rehydrated. Everybody say this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, Proverbs 16, 24 says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Healing to the bones. You know, we have 200 and some bones. I talked to a person and she's, she had this condition. She said, I found out I have an extra bone that nobody else has. I have an extra bone. I thought, well, that's cool because I don't even know how many bones you're supposed to have. Now, she has one extra above whatever it is you're supposed to have. Who in here knows how many bones people have? 200 and... 206? 272? That would be way different than 206. (laughs) Somebody will Google it, and it'll be a conflict, and there'll be like eight different answers. But anyway, there are a lot of bones. And he numbers our bones. He knows them, and and he'll take care of us. Listen... Proverbs 15.30 says, Bright eyes gladden the heart. Good news puts fat on the bones. Oh, none of us in 2021 like that. 
But in the Old Testament and in the other, what that really means is lean muscle mass. It means prosperity. It means blessing. Well, I don't want any fat on my bones. Well, for the purposes of this message, uh, good news puts fat on the bones. It, it, 206? You said 206? Stand up. No, don't get, don't get puffed up now. Sit back down. I'm... Good for you. You're paying attention in school. Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. Listen to what it says over here. Psalm 6.2 says, my bones are dismayed. Psalm 22.14 said, all my bones are out of joint. That's not good. Psalm 22.17, I can count my bones. I guess he was skin and bones at that point. Psalm 34.20 says, he keeps my bones. Thank God not one of them is broken. That was the case prophetically of Jesus. They got ready to break his legs, but he had already died. To fulfill the prophecy, none of his bones were broken. Psalm 35.10, all my bones say, Lord, who is like you, who delivers the afflicted from him who is too strong, for him and the afflicted and the needy, and from him who robs him. So my bones, all my bones say, my God is my deliverer. Psalm 38.3 says, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. Now listen to this. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. In Psalm 102 verse 5, because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. So those are contrasting verses. The dilemma of sin, the dilemma of the, of the darkness, of the hopelessness, of being completely cut off. Listen, think about this. Those dry bones in Ezekiel's day were, had been dead long enough, buried long enough, dry long enough. They must have been, it must have been for a long time. And uh, yet God restored it. I believe that we've had, you know, over a year of this kind of dry bones isolation, feeling cut off, uh, it's been disruptive to a lot of people. Yet in Christ, we are connected with him. And Paul said, I've learned the secret of being filled and of going hungry, of getting along in humble means and getting along with abundance. I've learned how to rejoice out of the prison cell of Rome. I've learned how to rejoice when I've operated out of my own rented quarters in Rome. He was in prison in Rome, and then he was in his own rented quarters in Rome. And he seemed to be seamless in his attitude because he, had, he walked with something where he lived independently from his circumstances. That is what we're invited to walk in. That's why when God says, hey, can, can I bring you through this thing? Well, God, you know, but actually he wants us to be informed right now that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And take the admonition, that a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. In the case of the psalmist, David, he said, there's no health in my bones because of my sin. The, the result in that is we repent of our sin. And as we repent, we get restored with immediacy. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Who's grateful for that reset button that we get to push? Who's grateful that Romans 8.1 is aimed right at you? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How, how about the reality that we are accepted in the beloved? Humanity has a plague of insecurity. One of the things we hate the most is, the, is rejection. The fear of rejection is probably one of the strongest things that manipulates most of the people on the planet. And God said, I, I have made you accepted in the beloved. You who were once not a people are now the people of God. And this, this transforms empowerment that we hear about in the verbiage of the world. This transforms diversity information that we hear about in the world. This transcends uh, all the, the, the particulars of all the things that try to code us and label us and compartmentalize us that create accentuation of division. Here God comes in and he says there's neither Greek nor barbarian, Scythian or slave, uh, male nor female, you're all one in Christ. 
What a redemptive master stroke that humanity keeps blowing off and ignoring. And we, the people of God, have to understand that, and we've got to come and bring it into practicality. In my case, as a pastor of a non-denominational church, I have cultivated a great affection and appreciation for denominational brothers and sisters. I will rightly judge the body of Christ, and I will honor my brothers and sisters. I will not be dismissive. I will love and walk in love toward, one, uh, to, toward people. To be sure, I'm not going to embrace cultic doctrine, and I watch out for it, and I stand aloof from it. But on the other hand, wherever there's commonality with Jesus, there are my brothers and sisters, and having done all to stand, I'm going to stand. Socioeconomics takes a back seat. Hey, that's not the gauge by which I determine your value. Your age is not the gauge by which I determine your value. Your situation, whether you're in the high rank, flowing in great things, or you're having a struggle, I'm not going to overly empathize with you and become a rescuer, and I'm also not going to get uh, become a hater and envy you because you're up in a better, higher uh, category than I am. The Holy Spirit changes all those stupid lesser conclusions and causes us to stand in a different dimension and look at the situation and go, it's all a valley of dry bones, and I command these dry bones to live. And where there's no breath, I prophesy to the breath, breath, come back into this situation. On an individual basis, on a micro level, on a regional level, on a, on a global level, we, our vision, we must not allow it to be reduced. We must not allow our vision to get too small. He said, hey, look, here's what he did with Ezekiel. First thing. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. The hand of the Lord, to be sure, is lifting you and me right now up out of the situations that we're looking at in these limitations. It's as though we're inside a toilet paper tube and we've got our, a little perspective. Hey, this is what I see right here. I'm inside a little bitty toilet paper tube. Is it okay that I said that? Not a paper towel tube, a toilet paper tube. That's where the devil wants you to have, have the level of your perspective. Jesus has torn that stupid thing apart. He's raised you up into a new dimension. He's seated you up into a high perspective. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Your head is no longer stuck in a little tiny pathetic toilet paper tube. You now have the mind of Christ. You have access to the throne of grace. When a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And we see examples like this. And not only are we intrigued, not only are we fascinated, not only are our hearts warmed by the, great Amer uh, the history of the Jewish people, but now we take hold of that and go, that God is my God. What are you saying to me, Lord? We live in valleys of dry bones. People feel like their bones are dried up. See, a broken spirit dries up the bones. And earlier, the worship leader was saying, the spirit of the Lord was upon me. The Lord has anointed me. Uh, Isaiah 61 quoted in Luke chapter 4. The job description of Jesus, the Messiah. He said, God put his, his, his mind set in me, his hand upon me, his power in me, his Holy Spirit, so that I can bring good news to the afflicted, to be near the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. If you want to have a breakthrough in God, find the valley of dry bones, and God will show up there. If you want to see God move, find people that are broken and hurting, and, off, and, and make yourself available to be used by the Holy Spirit. By the way, the third part of verse 11, after our bones were dried up, our hope perished, we were completely cut off. That is the thing the devil wants to do but that's precisely the opposite of what God did with Ezekiel. When God got on Ezekiel, the hand of the Lord was upon him, and he brought me out of the, uh, by the Spirit of the Lord, and that's really what we want. We want to be brought into each increment of the steps of our lives with the touch of the Holy Spirit. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Proverbs says the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. He searches all of his inner being with it. In other words, God is not in, into seances. God is not into clairvoyance. God is not into psychic phenomena. And God is not uh, reduced to just physical, sensual promptings. 
The, the language of the body or the five physical senses, the language of the intellect, that is our mind or emotion or will or thinking faculties. But the object of the day is God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Our soul needs to have, be renewed. Our mind needs to be trained. Our body needs to be brought in subjection. We keep our bodies under. We present our body a living sacrifice. It's our earth suit with 206 bones in it. Or the lady who said she had an extra bone, 207 in her case. But in, in both cases and in all cases and in any case, there's a potential for the rehydration power of the Holy Spirit to come on dry bones in any valley, in any scenario, of any circumstance, in any nation, in any time period, and manifest himself and bring redemptive change. I was an example of a valley of dry bones in the period where I lived, the place where I lived. It was the epicenter of the entertainment world, the kind of environment people, they, people flock to that place. Now they're flocking away from the place for other reasons. But they flock to that place because of oceans and mountains and the promise of a better life. I have a friend who's uh, successful in the entertainment profession. He and his wife were talking to me. They said there's a, such a collective frustration there because you go so far, you get to the shore, you can't go any farther because it's the ocean. And it's just all this pent-up dissatisfaction. But godliness is a means of great gain when it's accompanied with contentment. Don't you know that when God called Ezekiel, it was like, say what? But then all of a sudden, God anointed him, empowered him, started to even ask him questions that had faith building in them. Hey, son of man, can these bones live? He said, well, you know, but actually he wanted him to know. God wants us to know that when we speak to mountains, mountains have to be removed. When we pray according to the scripture, like it says in 1 John chapter 4, let me just read this quickly. You don't have to turn to it. This is just, this is not in my notes, but this is an extra benefit, blessing, side journey. So I'm stalling while I find 1 John. 1 John is right there before, yeah, after 1 Peter. There it is. I found it. It's in the same place it always was. And I found it. Chapter 5, it says, chapter 5, verse 13. It says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. If it's biblical, if it's biblical, that's God's express written will. If it's biblical, then you've got a spiritual leg to stand on when you pray. Then you have confidence. God, I'm standing on your word. This is what you said. When we were in Kosovo, it was a valley of dry bones. I visited a, I visited a, a home where all the male population was wiped out. Everybody at the farm were wearing black. They were all women. There were probably 30 of them, and they were weeping. And that was when God compelled me. At that moment, you've got to follow through, and you've got to help these people. And I just remember how the oppression, the sadness was so, so thick. But now, God's brought healing. Time's not a healer. You can be miserable and regretful and hurt for 50 years. Jesus is a healer. And in the context of time, it got sped up by people coming with help and with hope that didn't have their, dry, their bones dried up, didn't have their, their hope perished, and uh, weren't completely cut off. And as often the case, God wants to use us when we're not stuck in, in a ditch. He wants us to find a hurt and heal it, find a need and fill it. He's the glory and the lifter of our head. He's actually looking for people that will come in and figure out how to prayerfully address things by the leading of the Holy Spirit. God does not want us to jump into the deep end of the pool. My wife and I, we've talked about it. By nature, we tend to be rescuers. We've made a lot of decisions to try to help people. And some of it has been good. And some of it, you know, just got to go back and go, well, we maybe overreacted to it. So we're, we're not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. 
but we are not also people that just passively, idly step back uh, expecting somebody else to do it. So we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit, right? And the good news is we can be led by the Holy Spirit. And the good news is we actually are led by the Holy Spirit. Two verses, John chapter 10, uh, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Again, Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. That proverb, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. Psalm 119, what is it, 130? God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Or is it 105? 105. 130 is the entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Woo! I almost did a twirl just then. That's how excited I am. That wasn't the twirl I had in mind. It was going to be exotic. <laughs> Therefore prophesy, verse 12, and say to them, to, to whom? The people who lost, their, their bones were dry, their hope was perished. And God went to elaborate means to literally raise up a graveyard to show the people that weren't actually dead but felt dead that there was hope. Their bones could be rehydrated. Help could come. And they that felt completely cut off would actually be brought near. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. Now he's not talking about a literal grave. He did use a literal grave beyond a metaphor to really get somebody raised up. Let's all stand up on our feet. I will bring you into the land of Israel. Now, I've been to Israel four or five times, four times. I went in 78 at the 30th anniversary, and it felt like I was out in the dusty Middle East. I went in 98, it still felt like it was a dusty Middle East, but a lot of, there had been a release of the Eastern European uh, diaspora, the dispersed Jews that God prophetically said would come back, and thousands, millions of them poured back in. The population has proliferated. And the, the last two times I went there, the place is, the desert is blossoming like a rose. The communities feel, uh, it felt like, it's like some of the best development of anywhere I've ever been. It's so blessed. It's so blessed that a cut off people that had no hope and their bones were dried up, there's been a restoration. For the church, for the church, I watched that when I, I got saved, there were no churches like this. There, there were a few in the earth, but not like this. And then it started to manifest. And God wanted to kick it in into a different level. And God began to kick things into a different level. And there was a period where there were only about 100 churches in America that were about our, in our, in our size. Now, I'm thankful to say there's more and more and more and more. There, 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 Seoul, Korea, you know, I think about the prayer that came out of they had a terrible war. And then the, the consequence was people got desperate in that Buddhist nation and started crying out to God. Well, 100 years before that, sweet Presbyterian missionaries got in clipper ships and went at great cost of life and limb, sowed seed, didn't see much result, very few got saved, but they plowed in hope, they started to speak to the Valley of Dry Bones, and now we got baby Shark Shark coming out of Korea. And you young moms and dads, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Korea has like got it going on. Everybody say baby Shark Shark. If you have a two-year-old kid, it's baby Sharshar. And it's just like, there they go, man. That's such a people group. When God touches a people group, like the Jews or like the Koreans or like what he wants to do with America or the nations, let's just let him do it. But not let's just let him do it. God, you know, he wants us to prophesy to the Valley of Dry Bones. He wants us to look in this present moment and put our trust not in man and the uncertainty of their plans and strategies, but keep our hope fixed on God and be those people that are juxtaposed between a holy God and a broken fallen world and stand with a, 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 a backbone and say, Father, I am trusting you to bring these things to pass. 
I, I heard a preacher say that prophesying to the breath is prophesying to that which God has previously blessed. So not only do I prophesy to the dead, dry stuff, I want to augment the stuff that has need of being revived. Stuff that's pretty good that can get better. Stuff that's been sweet that can get sweeter still. God, God can move on a whole nation in a, in, a, in a moment. God can move on a whole ethnicity in a moment, a whole people group in a moment. He can steer things and shift things and change things in a moment, right? So we believe for it. And then he said, then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Now that literally was fulfilled for the Jewish people. And I've had the privilege to actually see it with my own eyes and watch how the archeology span reflects the, 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 the changes. They're, they're finding Bible affirming clarifications that they, well, who are the Hittites and things like that? Well, now, well, wait a minute. We just found this with this marker and the, and it's, it's just, that's outward evidence. I have no need for it. If they, if Noah's Ark, they if they just floated it down the Missouri River and parked it right here in our parking lot, I wouldn't believe one iota more than I already do. I don't need any natural evidence to substantiate or corroborate what has happened on the inside of my life. Some people do, though. It's an external evidence that can stimulate some thinking. But ultimately, it's going to be the Spirit of God. That's what happened. The Lord put his hand on Ezekiel and raised him up and spoke to him and put him in this moment. And I believe the Lord's doing that in our hearts and our lives right now. What is your, what is your dry bone situation? Where do you feel like your hope has departed? Where do you feel like you're cut off? Where do you feel isolated? Prophesy to that situation in your life. Command the devil to back out of your mindset, out of your thought processing, out of your decision making, out of your prayer life, out of your word study, out of your spiritual walk. Command that dryness, command that parchedness, command that hardness to shift and change right now. Just believe God for his healing. Wait, wait, God, you know. No, you, you command that mountain to be removed. You see people that are oppressed, command the demonic oppression. If there is any demonic element of it, take authority over it. If it's a chemical thing, if it's then pray healing on it, right? If there's no doubt demon on it, just pray healing on that. In case there is something demonic, rebuke the devil to yourself. You don't have to go, I rebuke you, devil, to the people. They'll usually argue with you. Demons go silent when you confront them, and then people just argue with you. I'm not a demon. Well, but I know, but the demon that's hassling you, well, wait a minute, and then it's... It, it just, you know, God's going to help us in these upcoming days. Hallelujah. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, and we are completely cut off. There, listen, there's a moment in Israel where they kept saying that. There's a moment right now in modern time where people are saying, my bones are dried up. My hope is, has, has perished and I'm completely cut off. There's so much isolation right now. There are people that are, that are lost inside their houses, but there is time to find them. There, there is time to, 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 to get in this kind of level of prayer where we stand and, and, and look and, and go shoulder to shoulder with Ezekiel and think, wow, in his day, this is what he had to do. In the, in the Jesus movement day, this is what they had to do. After, in the 50s in Korea, this is what they had to do. In the early church, this is what they did in the upper room. They waited, they tarried, they sought the Lord. God manifested himself with a sound like a rushing mighty wind. Fire was distributed on each one of their heads and they went out doing business for God. It could happen right now in this meeting. It could happen right now while you're right where you're at. 
right in this moment, there's an equipping that's coming upon you. There's an impartation that's coming upon you. I'm preaching this for two reasons. In case you have dry bones, in case you have hope deferred, in case you feel deserted and isolated, I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus, and I command those things to change. But now think about the lost world. You at least have Jesus. You at least have the Bible. Even if you haven't been paying attention to it much lately, it's in your heart and in your mind. It's the Word of God. Get back in it. Meditate on it. Ponder its pages. Pour over it. If, if, if sin is in, in, in your life, repent of it so that health can come back to your bones. Uh, and, and just receive that season of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Lay hands on your ribcage. Heavenly Father, I pray for an impartation on everybody in this room. I pray for a stirring of hope, of joy. Uh, I, I, I come against dis discouragement. I come against disappointment. I come against resentment. I come against regret. God, I, I come against the ball and chain of the bondages of uh, prior failings. And God, I ask that two things would happen. We would be delivered from their dominance and we would learn from them and carry truths that will be vital to help us as we encounter situations that are facing us in the upcoming days. Say this with me. I believe for opportunities to pray for people, lead people to the Lord, pray for them to be healed, encourage them, and in, in, in a special timing. God has his hand on my life. He's gonna use me and it's gonna be fun. I'll see signs and wonders follow because that's just the nature of God to manifest himself through me. I trust you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Now I wanna do something else. I want you to turn around and look at somebody next to you and just Believe God with them for amazing blessing in each of, the, each of their lives. Just believe God for breakthrough. Believe God for blessing, healing. Come on. You can pray for one another just for a moment. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You guys on live stream, I speak blessing over your household. I speak blessing into your life. I pray if you're cynical and you're jaded, you're an atheist or an agnostic, you rethink it, come to know who the Lord is. It's Jesus, he loves you. It's Jesus, he died for you. It's Jesus, he was buried and after that he rose from the grave and he's coming back. You may see it. So just trust him. And even if you're cynical, you can say, God, reveal yourself to me and he'll do 